Hi there, this is Darren Spoo, pastor at First Baptist Church in Tulsa, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. We would invite you to join us in person Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 o'clock in downtown Tulsa, or check out our webpage at tulsafbc.org. God bless you, and have a great week. So this morning, I'm doing something different that I'm going to be a little transparent with you. I'm, I'm getting to preach from my grandfather's Bible. My grandfather was a sweet man that I loved. Many of you know that about a year ago, I traveled back to Phoenix, Arizona to celebrate my grandfather's 96th birthday. It was a phenomenal trip for a lot of reasons because I got to spend a lot of quality time with my grandfather, just hearing stories of him growing up and hearing things that he was passionate about. I also got to connect with a lot of other family members in my trip there. But it was also a challenging trip because three short weeks later, my grandfather graduated into heaven. My grandfather was a good man. He had the gift of hospitality in the truest sense of the word where he had this ability to walk around a room, whether it was in the city, in the community, in his church, or in his home. He found a way to connect with every single individual in the room, to tap them on the shoulder and let them know that they were valued, that they were loved, that they were special. Matter of fact, a lot of who I am comes from my grandfather. Like my grandfather, I'm an eternal optimist. I'm always looking for the best in others. I'm also an encourager, like he was an encourager. See, my grandfather, not only did he work his way around the room, but I can remember at every family gathering, he intentionally pulled aside myself, each of my cousins, my aunts and my uncles, even my parents, to ask how they were doing, to find out what they were passionate about or what I was passionate about, and to speak truth into my life and into their lives to say, I believe in you. What you're passionate about, God has equipped you with tools to do. I'm proud of you. There was one time in particular, I remember I had just graduated from seminary. I had led maybe one or two funeral services. And this particular funeral service happened to be for an extended family member. My grandfather was there. And I wasn't sure how people would respond to the sermon that I gave. My grandfather came up to me afterwards. And in a way only a grandfather can. He said, son, I am so proud of you. What you said towards the end of your sermon gave everyone hope. That's what they needed the most. My grandfather was an encourager. And this morning, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture in Hebrews where the author of Hebrews actually pauses from his main argument to lean in, like my grandfather did, and to encourage us. He encourages us with a few simple things because of who Jesus is and what Jesus did through the cross, that we can encounter God through worship. He encourages us that we can trust the truths of Scripture and that we can go to God together in community. Before we dive into Scripture, let's spend just a moment in praying. God, I thank you for the memory of my grandfather and so many other grandparents who are encouragers in this room. Lord, we hold their memory up to you. I pray just as they encouraged us, may you help us to find encouragement in your word this morning. Maybe even a stronger way, Lord, may you speak your truth into us and over us. 
that we might be able to encounter you in greater depths because of who you are and what you've done. Lord, we need you, so I pray for more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Hebrews chapter 10. That's where we'll be spending our time together, starting in verse 19. The author writes, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And so the first challenge, the first encouragement that the author of Hebrews speaks into our lives and into the lives of first century Christians is that we can encounter God through worship. And he uses words that first century Christians would have known all too well as cues for worship. He talks about entering the most holy place by blood. He talks about a way that's open because of a curtain and a great high priest. Those are all images of the Day of Atonement and the, the Old Testament sacrificial system where once a year a priest would go before God, he would enter into the Holy of Holies by passing through a thick curtain that some scholars think is actually as thick as, as a, the palm of a man's hand, about three to four inches thick. So thick, as a matter of fact, you could actually lean on it and you wouldn't fall over or fall in. The high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he would sprinkle blood on the altar to pay the penalty for sin so that people wouldn't have to have a guilty conscience anymore, but instead they could encounter God knowing that God would hear them. And it would repair broken relationships because sin causes brokenness all around. As if that imagery wasn't enough, the author of Hebrews even goes on and leans in a little bit more to say, not only is this a reminder of worship then, but because of what Jesus did through the cross, you can do this right now and you can do this all the time. He talks about the new way that's open to us through Jesus' body. We can enter with confidence the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. We can draw near with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. And then he even describes baptism, a reminder of how when we said yes to Jesus, our life was hidden with God. And so the author of Hebrews describes for first century Christians imagery that's all about worship. But for you and for me, what do we think of when we think of worship? Perhaps you're like me and you think of what we just did a couple moments ago as Jeff and the band led us in worship. That is a beautiful image, and that certainly is an aspect of worship. But what the Bible describes as worship is actually so much more than just music. I believe that the Bible says worship is an opportunity for us to encounter with and engage the living God to encounter with and engage the living God. And so John Stott, 
He was a pastor. He was a teacher in London about 50 years ago. He wrote that worship is an intelligent and loving response to the revelation of God because it simply adores His name. John Wimber, who was a pastor in the 1970s in Southern California in the Jesus Movement, he said it more simply. He said, worship is just a conversation with God. It's a moment where we pour out our hearts to God through singing songs and through praying prayers, but then God speaks right back to us as we open up the Bible, as we allow the truths of God's Word to speak to us, and we meditate on Scripture, and then allow God's Spirit to allow those truths to speak into our lives and encourage us. And so worship, it's a conversation with God. Many of us are familiar with the music of Johann Sebastian Bach. You are incredible masterpieces that I know I enjoy. Much of his music was actually written out of incredible grief. When Bach was just 10 years old, his mother and his father, within six months of each other, they passed away. And so Bach was sent to live with his aunt and his uncle in another town. Bach grew up, he went to college, got a degree in music, led worship for a church shortly after he graduated, married a beautiful woman, they had a young family together, and then his wife's sister got sick, so they brought her in. His wife's sister passed away, and shortly thereafter, his wife passed away. He remarried, had another family between the first marriage and this current marriage, a total of 10 children didn't grow up to adulthood because of one illness or another illness. Somewhere between all of the grief of losing his parents, losing his wife, losing his children, he was able to pour out his heart to God through music and string together one note with another note, with another note, to make such beautiful masterpieces. I believe those masterpieces were actually prayers where he poured out his heart to God and connected with God through music in a way that words couldn't. And he actually ends most of his music by saying, for the glory of God, because he knew that he wouldn't be able to get through what he did and endure what he did without God's help. So the truth is, when we pray prayers, we can pour out our hearts to God, and God wants to walk with us. Now, I know my prayers, I know how I feel about my prayers, and my prayers don't feel anything like the beautiful masterpieces that Bach composed. But I do know the promises that we have in Scripture, that as we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. That if we cast our cares on Him, if we cast whatever is going on inside of our soul to God, God will listen because He cares for us according to 1 Peter 5. Jesus even promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. David wrote in Psalm 56 that God has a record of every tear that we cry. I know enough about Scripture and enough about God to know that God just wants us to have a conversation with Him. And so the author of Hebrews leans in and he encourages us you can have a conversation with God and create such a dynamic encounter with God that will fuel your soul 
that even though you walk through incredible grief, God will walk with you and help carry you through it. The second piece of encouragement that the author of Hebrews gives us comes in verse 23. He says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. That first phrase, let us hold unswervingly, that that image in the original language, it's actually an image of, of holding on tightly to something, keeping it close to your chest. One of the first things that I think of as I was talking with my wife earlier this week about it, I think of my daughter Jamie, my beautiful six-and-a-half-year-old girl. About five years ago when we moved here for the first time, a friend of ours, actually our realtor, she gave us a stuffed animal, a white puppy dog that has become my daughter's favorite stuffy. And she takes that stuffy everywhere with her. I'm actually surprised she doesn't have it with her this morning. She has a different stuffy. She's been through a lot of transitions in those five years, graduating into a big girl bed, going to preschool, going to kindergarten. And with each of those big transitions, she's held tightly to that stuffy. And that stuffed animal has given her a sense of confidence where she knows if she's holding it close to her, she can breathe a sigh of relief and she can take that next step. It gives her that confidence. That, I believe, is the image that the author of Hebrews is giving us, that if we hold tightly to the truths of Scripture, allow them to so penetrate our hearts, they can't help but come out in how we walk through our days. They'll give us a sure footing in confidence. Which is why the author of Hebrews even says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess the words that come out of our mouths. The Bible says whatever goes in us must come out of us. Jesus even said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The more that we chew on God's word, the more that we allow it to seep into our souls, and the more that we allow the truths of Scripture to penetrate our lives, the more it can't help but come out in our words, in our deeds, in our actions to give us a sure foundation so we can walk through each step in a new step, in a new step, with greater levels of confidence. I believe it is as simple as a 1 plus 2 equals 3 equation in this case. It's a little like this, actually. When my wife and I were first married, we went shopping for some furniture. We had uh, an empty apartment that we had to find furniture in. And so we went to Ikea. Has anyone shopped at Ikea before? You know, it's it's a giant store that's… It's about the size of two city blocks, and and one half the store is filled with displays of of beautifully designed furniture. And then you get to the back half of the store, and it's just as big, but it's a warehouse. And in that warehouse, you can pick up boxes of unfinished or uncompleted pieces of furniture that you have to build yourselves. So my wife and I, we picked out this, this TV stand that we thought would be fitting for our family. We took it home. And I took it out of the box. Before I knew it, I had pieces covering the entire living room floor. I looked at my wife in that moment and said, I don't know if this is going to come out like how we thought it would. And then I followed the directions. And I started attaching one piece to another, using fasteners, using screws, using um, different pieces in order to put it together. 
And the more that I put it together, the sturdier it became. After 15 years, we still have that TV stand. It's endured three moves, and it is still a solid piece of furniture. That, my friends, is what I believe the author of Hebrews is encouraging us as we meditate on the truths of Scripture and allow them to pierce our hearts and penetrate our lives. They can't help but become such a steady and sure foundation to carry us through our days that no matter what we walk through, we will be unshakable. And there's one more encouragement that the author of Hebrews gives us. That's from verses 24 and 25. He says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So that, that first phrase, let us spur one another on. When I hear that phrase, spur one another, I, I can't help but think of cowboys in the Old West even more so because here we are in, in Tulsa where, where we were the gateway for the West in a lot of ways. And so I think of those cowboys that are walking around, ching, ching, ching. Spurs are about a 2,000-year-old invention. And certainly in modern day, they've come under some scrutiny because when they're not used correctly, they can cause a lot of damage to a horse. They can cut into the side of a horse, cause nerve damage, they can certainly cause a lot of psychological damage to the horse, where the horse will never touch or trust a human to ride it again. But if used properly, where a rider simply touches the skin of the horse with that spur, it can create an incredible bond between horse and rider, where the two become one, and just with a simple touch, the horse knows to go faster or go slower or turn one direction or another direction. Just a simple touch is enough to communicate volumes. And the author of Hebrews says, let us spur one another on toward love and good deeds. For the men that were at the, the men's event that we had just a little over a week ago, you may remember a moment when Clay Martin spoke to us and talked about officials that were on the field. On any given game, there are seven officials that are there. And when those seven officials are making calls, Sometimes they're uncertain about the call that they made. That team, they lock in with each other, and they can tell just by a look if the officials are confident or if they're not confident. And if they're not confident, they look at each other and they encourage each other in that moment. It's okay that you made one bad call or you feel like you made one bad call. Let's forget about it. Let's move on. Let's lock in on what's ahead with one look or one simple phrase, they encourage each other, stay focused on what's said. You can keep going. You can keep making things happen. Part of that is honestly because it's a fast-paced game where you can quickly get lost in making several bad calls. But life is a lot like that too. And if we can find ways to encourage each other and speak into each other's lives like that, what a difference that would make. So no matter what comes, we can help each other Stay focused on what's ahead. Now, men, I'll, I'll speak to you for a moment since this was the men's event. I know for me there's times where it's hard to think of investing in relationships to that level where I may know by someone's look what they're thinking or how they'll respond. 
but I can tell you with confidence that every time I've taken the time to invest in relationships to that level, it's paid off exponentially where not only have I seen them grow, I've grown from it. And so I want to challenge all of us this morning. There's a simple thing that we can do that may not even be at the depth of, uh, of what we're talking about. Maybe there's somebody that you know that needs encouragement today. I'm going to invite you to do something that, that not a lot of preachers do. You can take out your phone and, and put a note in your phone. You can jot a note with, with a pencil on, on your paper right now if you think of a name. And then immediately following church, I want to challenge you, send that person a text. Give them a call. Or maybe write them a snail mail note to let them know that you're praying for them. You'll never know how that simple act of encouragement may make an incredible difference in their lives to pour into them and spur them on towards love and good deeds, as the author of Hebrews says. And then the author goes on and talks about one more piece about community. He says, let us not neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let's encourage each other all the more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. There was a study that was released, a medical study out of Denmark in April of this year that explored what happens when individuals go into a hospital. If there's a faith community that surrounds them, what's the outcome of that individual? What happens when they leave the hospital? And they found nearly every time if an individual goes into a hospital and there is a church community that surrounds them and prays for them, they're exponentially more likely to leave the hospital in better condition than when they got in. Now, we know that's true because of the power of prayer, because that's the way God designed prayer to work. But I think that also says something profound about what we can do with each other when we invest in each other's lives. As we intentionally invest in community, we produce greater levels of fruitfulness in our lives and in the lives of everyone around us. Most of us in this room are in a community group, but if you're not, I want to encourage you. We have 36 great community groups filled with people that want to walk alongside of you and want to be that community that will support you, will encourage you, no matter what you walk through. So the author of Hebrews this morning speaks into us and encourages us, much like my grandfather did, reminding us that we can find such a level of peace and comfort to walk through our days as we build an encountering relationship with the living God and walk with Him and intentionally pour out to Him and listen to Him giving back to us. He encourages us that we can build an incredible foundation that will carry us through our days as we take the truths of Scripture and hold them close to us. And we can and we need to walk together in community. Those three things will guide us and encourage us in incredible ways. Let's stand and let's pray together. Thanks so much for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of each worship service on Sunday morning, I offer a simple blessing, and I offer that blessing to you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. And may God grant you peace both now and forever. Amen.